Welcome to the Alcohol Freedom Podcast, where we are bringing you a modern and judgment-free conversation about how we relate to our drinking habits. I'm Michelle Kapler, and you've got episode 36. Hello, friends. It's May, and I'm starting to sigh a sigh of relief as we are mostly reliably heading into warmer days. The sun is staying out a little bit longer. Things are fully alive here on the homestead. When I step outside to feed my flock of chickens or take one of my kids to school or to just breathe in some of the gorgeous fresh air, there's just so much life going on right now. There are so many things creating life right now. I think I've talked before about our frog situation here on the homestead, and they create this symphony. And this frog symphony that has been playing for weeks at this point, that being their mating calls, has now left our marshy area full of clusters of eggs, which will eventually become tadpoles, which will eventually become literally thousands of frogs. In the summertime, you can walk across the grass in the back of the property and at least two or three of them will just run into your legs as you walk. I always wear my tall boots because I know I'm going to get smacked with a frog or two. I love seeing these patterns repeat themselves each year. It's this deeply grounding reliability that I have the opportunity to be a part of these cycles of life over and over and over again. And Maybe the mosquitoes would be exempt. I'm not so happy to see the mosquitoes life cycles, but I am sure they're serving a purpose to something on our land, but they get mean. They aren't around quite yet. And it'll be maybe another week or two or three before they're out in full force. So there's lots of outside time to be had right now. So today I want to talk about morality and habit change. It's not a subtle message, and it's a generally accepted idea in our society that if somebody has a drinking problem, it's a moral failure on their part. If you look at the 12 steps to recovery, which originated from Alcoholics Anonymous culture, it was written directly into the steps that in order to heal from alcohol misuse, one must do things like, quote, admit their flaws do a complete moral inventory, and allow their character defects to be observed and removed. When we see portrayals of alcoholics and alcohol misuse portrayed in the media, we often see this caricature of someone who is morally deficient. When we look at this through a Christian religious context, which is the pervasive lens through which we see things, in the world and Western culture, there is morality applied to many habits that humans develop. Abstinence is often virtuous and indulgence is often sinful. So when we see how common this narrative is, it makes sense that there's this deep feeling of shame that's felt by a lot of people when it comes to their drinking. And this leads to a number of things. Firstly, We don't normalize this behavior and the behavior being being addicted to whatever you're addicted to. But addiction is actually a part of normal human 
biological function. Addiction is heavily influenced by the process of a normally functioning brain and nervous system. And the second thing that happens with this common narrative that causes so much shame is that we just don't talk about it. We don't talk about this thing that happens in a lot of people's brains, unless it gets bad enough that people are getting seriously hurt or the law gets broken or there's an intervention or somebody decides that something needs to be done because it's so bad. Even if someone recognizes that they may want to change their relationship with their drinking, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it with others for sure because of this feeling of shame. And this means that people often wait until it gets really bad before they seek help. In my case, I felt so much shame for so many years. But because I was telling myself that it, quote, wasn't that bad, I waited 10 years to make a change. And at the same time, I spent so many years beating myself up. My brain was constantly offering me thoughts like, there's something wrong with you. You should be able to get a handle on this. You're a health provider, for goodness sake. You better hope that your kids don't see it. Your husband's going to leave. You're a bad mother. You're a bad partner. You're a bad person. I sincerely believed that my drinking habit meant that I was a garbage human because I couldn't drink like somebody who was, quote, normal or, quote, healthy. And I think the belief that really kept me from making a change to my drinking was this commonly accepted idea that once you decide you have a drinking problem, there's no going back. You have to quit. You have to go to meetings. You have to identify as somebody who has a disease. You have to spend the rest of your life atoning for your mistakes and admitting that you're a fundamentally flawed human. Does any of this sound familiar to you? And interestingly, this idea, although it felt really, really real, it actually caused a lot of cognitive dissonance in my brain. On one hand, there was this idea that my drinking made me a morally flawed human. It made me less than. And on the other hand, I lived my life in a way that was in alignment with the idea that I was a pretty good person. I had a lot of evidence that I truly showed up in a way that reflected my ideas of what a quote, good person thinks and does. I could even have compassion for myself when I inevitably made mistakes, as all humans do. I truly believed that I was doing my best. And all of this was at odds with the idea that I was morally flawed. That yes, I was doing my best, but none of that mattered because I had this drinking habit that automatically made me a quote, bad person. And the cognitive dissonance caused so much turmoil in my nervous system, so much anxiety, so much worry. And surprise, surprise, it made me want to drink more. So what I want to do today is to just question all of this. What if your drinking problem had nothing to do with your worth as a person or where you sit on the scale of good human versus bad human? What if the frequency and volume and repetition of putting alcohol into a glass and ingesting it actually had nothing to do with your character? What if it was actually part of normal human physiology neurological function to form these habits? 
Can you imagine just for a moment that those things were true? If you can humor me and just take yourself there in your mind for one moment to this place where you actually believe me when I tell you that your drinking has nothing to do with your quality of humanness or inherent worth, what would you get to think about your drinking? What would you get to think about yourself as a person? As you may have guessed by now, especially if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, I believe all of those things to be true, and I didn't always have this belief. Just like everyone else, I'm not exempt from media influence, religious narrative, or cultural conditioning. I used to truly believe that my drinking habit made me a morally inferior human. It made me a bad person, and now I don't. So how, you may ask, can you get from there to where I am now? So I'm going to give you a few ideas to play around with. First, I always strongly recommend actually learning the physiology and neuroscience behind addiction and habit formation. Learn about what happens in the brain. It may feel intimidating or boring, but it's worth it to gain this knowledge. For me, it was a very important part of doing this work. There are a few places that you can start. There are many books on this subject, and yes, soon I will be putting out my recommended reading list. I should also mention that I have an episode available that really goes deeply into this. It's easily digestible, but it does go into it in quite a bit of detail, and that episode is number 26 called Trigger Thoughts. I also recommend listening to episode 20 and 21 on managing urges because that goes a little bit into the physiology and neuroscience as well, and I will link all of those up in the show notes for you so you can find them easily. The second starting point I would have for you is to get into detective mode. And what I mean by that is to approach your beliefs on all of this with curiosity and question everything. Leave no stone unturned. And you can do this in a number of ways, and I will highlight two options tonight. One option is to simply notice when thoughts like this come up and then question them. When you hop on the train of thought that says there's something wrong with you or you're a terrible mother in relation to your drinking, you just want to notice that and then ask yourself, is that really true? Don't allow yourself to say things like that to yourself anymore in an unquestioned way. Look at it. Examine it. Ask yourself with compassion, is this really true? And if it's still feeling hard to question it and you're still coming back to, yes, I am indeed a garbage human, try a reframe. What if your best friend was saying this to you? What if your best friend was telling you that they are a bad person? What would you say? And can you have the same compassion, care, and gentleness with yourself? Why or why not? Another way you can start to be curious about this is to do an exercise that's a little bit more formal. I'm going to tell you about this exercise in just a moment, but I do want to apologize for the tractor noises that are beginning to happen in the background. This thing happened today where my three-year-old son spent the day home (laughs) from school because he has a cough, and of course, they're not letting kids 
go to school if they have a cough, even if it's not COVID. So he was home with us today and I was supposed to record my podcast, but uh, ended up that I had to wait until after I put the kids to bed, which is tractor time for my husband. So I've kind of been stopping and starting, but I've decided that it's 8.30 p.m. and I'm usually in bed by nine. So we're just going to barrel through. So please bear with me with the tractor noises in the background. I do apologize. Okay. So another way that you can start to be curious about this is to do this exercise that's just a little bit more formal and intentional. So you're going to sit aside 10 to 15 minutes, grab a piece of paper and a writing utensil. And I do highly recommend actually using paper and a pen or pencil as opposed to typing it or putting it in your phone. And at the top of the page, you're going to write down the question, what does my drinking mean about me as a person? And then you're just going to fill up the entire page with whatever your brain offers you. Empty it all out onto the page and don't stop until it's full. And then if you feel like you can't add any more, just add a little bit more after that. And this will give you a good idea of what's actually inside your head. And from there, you can pick out a few thoughts and question them. You would be amazed at how things can shift significantly just by starting to question and not blindly or passively accept these ideas that aren't even ours. So what if you do this exercise and you discover that there are a lot of thoughts in there that you're not feeling good about? Or maybe there are a few, but you're having a really hard time questioning them. If this is you, I want to invite you to apply for one of the few remaining spots in my alcohol freedom program. If you want to quit drinking completely, this is for you. If you simply want to drink less and feel totally in control, this is for you too. You can head over to michellecapler.com to book your free consultation call today so I can tell you all about the program where you get to work directly with me one-on-one and we decide together if this program is a good fit for you. That's going to be it for me this week because I'm going to head to bed soon. I will be back next week with another episode. Until then, you've got this, my friend.